Welcome to the New Hope 365 podcast. We are currently offering two Sunday services each week. We have a 9 a.m. worship service that you can attend in person or you can watch live online at newhope365.church. And we have a 10.30 a.m. in-person family service for parents and children to attend together. We would love to connect with you and your family however you feel comfortable, either in person or online. And now, here is today's message. So today, we're going to talk about Kingdom of Unity, and um, we, have, we have something big coming up. I believe it's on Tuesday. Yeah, I need to take the mask off. So, thank you, Rick. Thank you, yes. Appreciate that. Isn't it funny, you know, and sometimes people go, why are you in a car wearing a mask? I don't intentionally do that. I just forget. I just forget. It's like, I go in and I'm like, an angel's like, why would you do that? Anyway, okay. Uh, unity. Because of what's taking place in culture, let me just ask you some questions. What um, in our culture right now is breeding disunity? What is it? Anything. Politics. Disunity. What else? Fear. Fear. So there's, is, is breeding disunity. What else? Racial strife. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Anything else? Fake news. Fake news. Okay. Yeah. Fake, fake news. Okay. <laughs> okay. One is true. One is fake. One is right. One is wrong. One is, you know, whatever. Yeah. Disunity. What else? Lies. Lies. Okay. Yeah. Pandemics. Could all of a sudden people see one way, people see another way, and there's disunity. Okay, so you're, you're naming a few things, and you don't have to walk very far. In fact, you could probably just knock on the door next door to your house and talk to people about their, what, how they see the world and, and all of that, and you could find out that there's just not a lot of agreement on certain things or topics or whatever, and it is also funny to watch in, like, in our neighborhood where you have a Trump sign goes up, and then a Biden sign goes up, and then, and then you see three Trump signs go up, and then you see three Biden signs go up, and I'm going, wow, this is just, this must just be a blessed neighborhood. I mean, this is just a lot of unity in our neighborhood. Okay, let's go one step further. The church. What breeds disunity in the body of Christ? What breeds disunity in the body of Christ? Selfishness. Okay. Judgment. Comparison. Sin. <laughs> yeah. Sin. Yeah. What, what, what else? Offense. Yeah. Hey, let's do, let me just go pop off of that for a moment. What would offend anybody in the church? Absolute truth might offend somebody. Is there such a thing as absolute truth? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? That, that of course, I, I know that and I believe that. And if you're online, you're going, I'm turning him off, man. He doesn't believe in absolute truth. Yes, there's absolute truth. But, but those types of things that people can get offended on, going, I see this way, you see this way. What else? Is there anything else that maybe you've experienced? And this is not a bashing moment. It's just a realization that disunity exists in culture and the church needs to address this topic and address how we can potentially move to unity in certain areas. What else? Any, anybody else? Ignorance. Somebody's, yeah, you know, I was talking to you the other day and it seemed like you were really ignorant and that just bothers me. 
just bothers the fire out of me, okay? Yeah, you know? What? What else? Yeah, you could have homosexuality, the LGBTQ, and you could have you could have abortion, you could have these topics and all of that. And I'm telling you, it's it's pretty hefty what is out in our culture, and also then what comes into the body of Christ, we as family in the church, those of us that call ourselves Christians, that then how we can come together, and yet in many cases we can be on very different pages. And you can be sitting around somebody and be like, man, I love you, I love you, until they give their opinion. And then all of a sudden you're like, I'm not going to hang out with them too much anymore. I think I'm going to do something different. All right. So this topic of unity is one that in the kingdom of God, God knows no disunity. And what did exist in disunity in heaven, what happened? Satan and his demons were cast out when there was, where there was this battle that, that, uh, that ensued. And literally, God says, that's not what we're going to do. And they're cast down to the earth. And the kingdom of God now, as we understand it, as we know it, as we study from Scripture, is a kingdom that's unified. It's unified. It is, it is not what we're just to say. It's something we're to live. It's something we live out. And, and, and honestly, the re- one of the biggest reasons I believe that we're to live this out is it, it shows what? The fruit of the Spirit of God in your life. It shows the fruit of the Spirit of God in your life when you love, care, serve, disagree on topics. And yet, you love. And then when you go and you engage culture outside this environment, and they go, I can't believe that you would even like that person because. I can't believe that you would even associate with that person because. How is it that the church just doesn't implode? And you're like, well, the church is unified because it's the kingdom of God, and that's the way God desires us to live. But we know that that's not always the case. But that's God's bullseye for us. And so today, I, as, as we look at this, I want to share with you essentials that I think are uh, things that we must be unified on as the church. And if you wonder what Jesus, when it came to uh, what he was bombarded with, constantly, Jesus was bombarded with questions, and the, the, the leaders of the law and the teachers of the law would come to Jesus, and they would try to you know, trick him all the time and say, you know, what do you think about this, and what do you think about that? And Jesus would say, well, let me tell you. And then they'd be, oh, we want to stone him, or we want to kill him, or we want to get rid of this guy. It was over what? It was over truth. And so, let's look at this. Essentials in the church that we don't oftentimes talk about, but we should talk about more. I'm going to put them up here on the screen. Let's go through those. Number one, essentials. The Bible is revelation. This is one of the biggest unifiers for us, and this is what, Daniel, you talk about and you teach. The Bible, as revelation, it is infallible, inerrant, flawless word of God to the earth, to us. And we don't, we don't stray away from that. We stay there. When somebody goes, I don't know, man, I think that maybe this was misinterpreted. You know, now, we could talk about interpretation. That's a little different, but is revelation given from God we believe it. Go number two. 
One God who is triune trinity. We believe that there is what? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all three are, are connected and they're all at work right now as I'm even teaching, as I'm talking, the God who is triune, the trinity, is doing what he does. Number three, mankind's fall and people's sinfulness. I don't know, I was born pretty good. How about you? So some, and honestly, I've been talking to leaders, pastors, that are starting to move away from this and go, I don't know that there's this, this sin, I think that we have crafted or created this thought that maybe there's mankind's, no, no, scripture is clear that there was none righteous, for we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Four, let's go to four. Salvation by faith through grace. There's no other way. Today, you go out and you do something good, like Barb's talking about maybe taking a meal or doing something good, and you're like, oh, Lord Jesus, thank you. If you return today, I would be good because I did something good. Salvation by faith through grace. Christ's virgin birth. This is the sovereignty, this is the, the sovereignty of God that we believe this. Christ was born of a virgin, and literally that Mary, <laughs> uh, through the Holy Spirit, conceived. Number six. Christ's full deity and full humanity, that he literally was God in the flesh, but human and felt, had blood running through his veins just like you and I. This is significant, and if I was to teach more in depth on it, you would understand why. We don't negotiate on this. Go on, seven. Christ's sinlessness. That literally, you know, people try to say, oh, maybe he had these lustful thoughts and he, and he acted upon this in certain ways. No, Scripture is clear that he was without sin. He knew no sin. And he became what? Sin for us. Non-negotiable. Eight, Christ's atoning death. What did we need? We needed him to cover us. And we believe that, and we know that the scripture says that. And when somebody comes to you and says, I don't think that's necessary, we go, absolutely is. Next. Christ's bodily resurrection. That means that literally, it wasn't that he was like, oh, he just kind of like got a little perturbed on the cross and went to sleep. He actually died, and he rose again physically, non-negotiable. He's alive. Next, bodily ascension of Christ into heaven. That literally Jesus stood as the disciples watched and he ascended into heaven and, they, and, and literally he is now where? Where? What does scripture say? His, in his bodily ascension, Christ into heaven, he is at the right hand of the throne of God doing what? Making intercession on your behalf. Your behalf, your, my behalf. As we pray, he hears, and literally he's saying, I want that taken care of. They've come to me, they've asked, and he's ascended into heaven and interceding. Next, Christ's current priestly intercession. There you go, and I jumped ahead, keep going. We, we don't know, yep. Christ's bodily future second coming. I think it would be just a glorious moment that we are all gathered on a Sunday, and, and I wish you know, we could just push that button and go, Jesus, it's time. And we could be singing and we could have our hands raised and we could be in that moment and all of a sudden, all of a sudden the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ rise and all of a sudden, I mean, you see the second coming, his bodily future second coming is scripture told and we believe in it. We don't negotiate that. Okay, 
Now, these are core beliefs that all Christian groups would agree on, and you may take a few to, you may even go a little bit further than I would today. I just want to give you the understanding that I have watched and have been around people that have actually strayed away from this and hurt the church um, and decimated families because of the fact that they moved away from non or moved away from essentials. Let's look at then non-essentials. Where there's, this is where I would say there's freedom for us to disagree, okay? And uh, so let's, let's take a look. Uh, freedom to disagree, non-essentials. Forms of church government, okay? What's the best form of church government? What? So, so is, it, is, it, uh, is it Moses, you know, where Jason, I go and I hear from the Lord and I come up and I say, thus saith the Lord. I mean, that's really good, isn't it? Okay, that's fine, that's fine, but that's not, okay, then you go, I disagree with that. There are churches that lead that way, and how about we have, you know, here we have a group of elders that help to oversee, to teach, to care. We do that. There's elder, there's the Episcopal way, you know, where you have your bishops, and you have, in in, in Catholicism, you have these different tiers and levels, Uh, some congregational, where literally everybody gets a vote, democratic, forms government. Churches have gone down the tank over that one. Second, our role. God's role in salvation. What is his role in salvation? Some would, some would say, well, I think that, that literally it's, he, he told us about Jesus and, and, the, and, and, and the spirit of God is now present and working, but once he did his initial in you, he kind of just lets you go. Or our, our role, God's role in salvation. A lot of different views on this, but is it an essential? I would say <laughs> salvation is belief in God through Jesus Christ, those things, but how God works in each of us could be very different. You all have different fingerprints, don't you? And our Heavenly Father can work in different ways in and through your life. Number three, proper candidate in mode of baptism. I have had people leave the church, and I'm not just talking New Hope and other places, because I didn't baptize in the name of Jesus only. I've had people go that you need to baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is the way you must do it. If you don't do it, we're out of here. I've had people come, mode of baptism, that go, I was baptized as an infant, I'm good. Some go, man, Uh, If you were baptized as an infant, you need to be baptized now. And here's the thing. I believe strongly that when you give your faith, life to Jesus Christ, you should be baptized. Even if you were an infant, if you're here and you go, I was infant baptized, I go, you really can't commit your life to Jesus personally when you're an infant. And many of you would go, I agree with that. But I've sat around tables where I'm going, okay, I disagree with that, but here's the deal. I still love you anyway. Number four. The nature and function of communion. There are those in the kingdom of God that are true believers in Jesus that when they take communion, they believe that they are literally eating the body and drinking the blood of Jesus. That's creepy. But, you know what? They still love Jesus. And I don't necessarily understand all of that, but I am not their judge. And I am not going to, I'm not going to die on the battlefield for, for that. There are those that come 
and, and uh, it, you know, it should be taken every Sunday or it should be taken this way and so forth. And I'm just going, no, we're, we are to recognize that this is what Jesus did for us and we participate in it because scripture talks about that. But the way that people do it is very different and I'm not going to fight over that non-essential way of taking it. Number five, the use of musical instruments in worship. I mean, this, now, does it, does it, is it me or do we feel like we're way beyond that? I think, you know, we come in and we go, man, we've got lights and we've got drums and we've got guitars and we've got cajones and we've got bass and we've got keys and we've got, you know, the, I mean, and, and literally today there would be people, if they walked into this church and saw what we had on this platform, they would leave. And here's the thing, and they're your brother and sister in Jesus. And so use of musical instruments in worship, and I mean, I'm telling you, these are things that have split churches over the years, and, and the enemy would love to use these non-essentials to destroy New Hope 365 and churches in the community and around the world over foolishness. Over foolishness. Number six. The nature of charismatic spiritual gifts. This is a big one. Okay, I mean, you want to talk about, I mean, there are people, I've been in churches where, where, you know, people are just dancing everywhere, and then I've been in churches where everybody's just stoic, and it's like, no, you don't do that, and, and then I've been in churches where people are, are, you know, speaking out in a supernatural language and tongue, and they're doing it, and people are interpreting that, and the words are given, and people are getting up and doing prophetic messages and all of those, and by the way, I think that that's all wonderful. If you're wondering as a pastor, I think that that's all wonderful. I believe that God can move in different ways in this church, and so I'm not containing God or trying to contain God to go, this is how it has to be, because God is great and big and mighty. But I'm telling you what, there are people that if they walked in and saw somebody clapping, they would go, oof, it's a bit much. Guys are a little fanatical. You get it. The nature of charismatic spiritual worship. The day of worship. I bet I've had half a dozen calls in ministry about people that go, when do you worship? I go, well, every day. Every day. 365. But if you're asking about our corporate gathering, right now we gather on Sundays. You know that's not right. I do. Half a dozen calls, no, because the true day in which you're to worship is actually the Sabbath, which is Saturday. Oh, are you still my brother? Are you still my friend? Yes. Day of worship, non-essential, and I may explain that a little bit later. Next. End times viewpoints. That's a big one, isn't it? When is Jesus coming back? When do the eschatological, the end time events begin to unfold? Is, it, is, the rapture, is, is the rapture before the tribulation? Is the rapture during the middle of the tribulation? Is the rapture at the end of the tribulation? And there are biblical scholars that will, that, I mean, take it and pin it. I mean, do it, and you're going, that is incredible. And, and truthfully, I respect them big time. Big time. But I'm not fighting you over when Jesus is going to come back. I do know this. I want to be ready when Jesus comes back. Non-essential. But at the same time, non-essential, it's essential that we know about, it's essential that we read about, but it is whether we know that hour or that moment. Study it, though. Next. 
the role of women in the church. And that being said, is you'll be in places where women cannot serve or, or lead or teach. Could a woman teach a man and all of that? And churches split over these, over these things. And, and I'm not, in, in some, of, some of us in this room right now get a little prickly over that topic. So I'm not going to teach on it right now. <laughs> but I have, strong, I have strong opinions. And here's the thing. But I'm not going to die on the battlefield over things where our Heavenly Father's going, you work out your salvation. You work out your life. You work out in your relationship with me. And if somebody agrees or disagrees, don't, don't. And I know what some of you are wanting. You're wanting me to just lay it out there. I'm not going to do that. I want you to work that out. Okay? Here we go. Now, that being said, famous saying, in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, love. All things love. If the church, is, if, the, if we are going to live in the kingdom of unity as our heavenly father has established it and desires us to live in, then we must, we must not, we must know what we believe, but we, almost must, we, we also must understand that when somebody comes to us and feels strongly about something, we can go, I'm glad that you feel strongly about that, and I disagree with you, but I love you. I love you. Love you. I wanted to just give you just a little bit of backup because some of you might be going, I don't know that I believe in this whole essential, non-essential. I don't know that I... I..." Well, let me give you some biblical support. Here we go. For essentials and non-essentials. Biblical arguments that some doctrines are actually essential. And so I'm going to look at Jesus here. And Jesus taught or implied some some doctrines were non-negotiable. So when Jesus, Jesus said there was only one God... By quoting the Old Testament prayer, the Shema, he says this, the most important commandment in Mark 12, 29 is, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. There's no other. You can try to see if there's another one. You can, and, and this one Lord, our God, is the one and only one. And if you think that anybody else can lead over you, rule over you, be shepherd over you, you are mistaken. And Jesus established that. Number two, Jesus told people they were wrong for not believing in a future physical resurrection. Did you know it's okay to actually look at somebody and go, I think you're wrong? I don't think that's what Scripture says. Do you know how how uneasy that is for people like me? When somebody looks at me and goes, I think you're wrong. It even drives me bonkers when I'll be teaching something, somebody comes up and says, I think you misinterpreted that. I'm going, I did not intend to do that. I'll have to, I'll have to process that and work through that. Jesus told people they were wrong for not believing in a future physical resurrection. Let's look at Matthew 22, 29 through 32. Here we go. Let's put that on the screen. Jesus replied, As he's talking to people, Jesus was so filled with the Spirit of God, God in the flesh, human, divine. He's talking to religious leaders, and he's telling them, you're of your father, the devil. A little controversial. Go talk to people and say, I think you might be like being used by Satan. 
doesn't win friends, doesn't influence people and so forth. Jesus had this power, had this glory inside of him. And he says, your mistake is when they're talking about resurrection, he's having these, these conversations because they're trying to do what? They're trying to, they're trying to the, the enemy through these Pharisees and through these leaders of the law were trying to split things up and, and um, totally take Jesus and discredit what he says. And he knew it. He, they, they were trying to do what? split things up and the enemy is still trying to split the church and disunify the church over topics. And he goes, your mistake is that you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. For when the dead rise, ah, they actually do. They will neither marry nor be given in marriage. In this respect, they will be like the angels in heaven. And he's telling, he's telling this is, understand, now, next. But now, as to whether there will be a resurrection of the dead, haven't you ever read about this in the scriptures? Long after Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had died, God said, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, so he is the God of the living, not the dead. And he lays it out, and they walk away, and they go, he's got it figured out. God is the God of the living, not the dead. So, people are wrong for not believing in a physical resurrection. Number two, or number three, there was no other way for people to be saved apart from his death and resurrection. Look at that. Let's look at John 3, 14, and then 14, 6. And as Moses lifted up the bronze snake, you, you, maybe if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that, there, that if they looked at this bronze snake in the, in the wilderness and this battle was going on, and so, or they wouldn't get bit by snakes and they would be saved. And a great story, you ought to read it. Snake in a pole in the wilderness, showing that the Son of Man must be lifted up. Next. So that everyone who believes in him will have eternal life. There's no other way to the Father but through Jesus but I've sat around tables in faith circles where I've been told different things, but yet, because I knew what was right, I knew that there was no other way than through Jesus that I would have eternal life. Look at John 14, 6. Jesus told them, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one can come to the Father but through who? Has that changed? Would culture like to change that? Probably. There's many paths, there's many ways. Okay, I'll keep going. He said, Jesus said, and this is the essentials. Jesus taught these essentials. He, he said, people must believe he's the Messiah, the promised anointed one. There's no room for a different opinion. And it says in John 8, 24, let's put that up. So I said that you will die in your sins, for unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. Pretty straight up. Jesus had a very, very high opinion of, the, of Scripture, the Old Testament. He shared that, talked about that. He said the Scripture is inspired. In fact, Matthew 4, 4, let's put that up. Jesus told him, no, the Scripture says people do not live by, so Scripture, do not live, live by pizza alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God, he's taking and he's saying, Scripture is actually very, are the very words given by God himself. And do not take it lightly. 
It is serious and it transforms. It radically will revolutionize your life if you will let it sink in. And I believe it is a key to a fresh reformation of the body of Christ. It's huge. Jesus told him, when scriptures say, you know, people do not live by bread alone. He said, so he says, inspired, it's infallible. Matthew 5, 18, it's infallible. He said, it cannot fall or be broken, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear. Not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. This is, the Bible is infallible, it's inspired, and it's inerrant. And I like this one, John 17, 17. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is what? Truth. Why am I telling you this? Because we are in a day where people are wanting to take and pick things apart and tell us that there's not absolute truth. And I'm telling you there is. And I'm telling you we need to know what it is so that we can be able to discern what is counterfeit. Does that mean that if we see something counterfeit, that then we go and napalm that person and say, you must die in hell? That's not the church. The church is a kingdom of love, of hope, of peace, of joy, of unity. And so it brings forth truth, know it. Inerrancy, God's word is truth. John 17, 17. He demonstrated his belief in the Old Testament, all kinds. And so let, me give you, let me give you just a few more things before... I wrap up, and I want you to, to continue growing this. Paul taught and implied some doctrines were non-negotiable. Some doctrine, um, were, uh, and this is what he says, doctrine sound, for time is coming, 2 Timothy 4, 3, and this is really where, time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and, wholeness te- whole, and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for what? Teachers who will tell you, you're good, you're nice, Gosh darn it, people like you. And the reality is, is that as you sit here today, that there is no, apart from God, there's no goodness in you. But I know we'd like to all hear and all have the buzz that we're all okay. And, and I've had people come to me and people go, just tell me that I'm okay. And I'll say, well, come to Christ follow Jesus, let me show you, and they will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. Are we in that day? We are in that day. We are in a day that in our culture, people only want to hear what they want to hear, and if I come out and I talk about sin and I talk about this, is, this in culture is wrong because the Bible says it's wrong. If, if, if you know, this is, okay, life, uh, you know, let's say you disagree with abortion or you disagree with um, the homosexual agenda or those types of things, and all of a sudden I come out and I say, here's what scripture has to say as it relates to that. There are those of you that would go, there is no way that God meant that. And literally would take, take your ball, put it under your arm, and go somewhere else where they would agree, would agree with what you believe. And little do you know that if you do that, there are those that in their own deception can find themselves in no relationship with God and end up in an eternity separated from God. This is big stuff. Okay. Okay. We should know the essentials so that nobody can lead us astray. Look at Ephesians 4, 14. I know I've got a lot going on here. Let's go to Ephesians. 
I think you have that one there. Maybe you don't. There we go. Then they will no longer be immature. We will no longer be immature like children. We need to know the truth. We, want, we don't want to be tossed and blown about every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so that clever, so, so clever they sound like the truth. Ah, it sounds close. I wonder in an age of information like we're in, how do you know truth? How can you discern that? What's right and what's wrong? If somebody was to come and knock on your door today, are you ready to give the reason for the hope that resides inside of you? And are you ready to be able to defend? And I'm not saying defend by like, I'm going to punch you in the face, but to go, here's why I believe what I believe. Very significant for the body of Christ. Paul, I mean, I'm, I'm going I'm to jump on. Okay, now, there are, I'm going to try to wrap up here with non-essentials um, out of Romans 14. Paul talks about doubtful things that are areas that are not crystal clear. Um, like, is it okay to eat meat? Others do not. Because culturally, you know, is, is a Jewish, in the Jewish community, don't eat unclean things and so forth. And so Romans 14, 1 and 2, let's put that up. Let's go to Romans 14. Except other believers who are what? Weak in the faith. That means that there are people in here that on a scale of 1 to 10, if you have strong faith, you're a 10, and you're like, man, I am blazing trails. I believe you, Jesus, and bring fire from heaven down and do your miracles. And there are people in here going, I don't know. But I accept them who are weak in the faith, and I don't even argue with them. What they think is right or what, what they think is right or wrong. Let's go to the next verse. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat meat, eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Do we have any vegans in the house? So, so we, have, we have these instances where Paul's going, you know what? If your conscience is going to allow you to eat Nasty foods. Go enjoy it. I don't care. I'm not going to eat it. But you, well, you only eat vegetables. Enjoy those turnip greens. And some of you are like, oh yeah. Enjoy those Brussels sprouts, Satan's little, little things. Okay. Let's go to let's go to Romans fourteen twenty one. Remember, these are non non negotiable or these are, are you know non essentials. It is better not to eat meat. Or drink wine, or do anything else, if it might cause another believer to stumble. And what, what we have often missed, because we're not, some of us are not growing in the faith, we're not moving in the faith, and by the way, God is giving strategy behind the scenes for us as a leadership to help us get to a place where we're actually going to continue to grow up in the faith and so forth. But, but if literally I'm sitting with you, and you have wrestled with alcohol abuse, struggle with that, I'm not going to drink in front of you. As to what caused someone to stumble. But it shouldn't matter to God. It matters. Hmm. Non-essentials. What does Paul say? We shouldn't judge or stumble those who have different opinions. And so this is, I mean, okay. Lastly, let me just give you a healthy disagreement. What, what, What would healthy disagreement look like? 
What's healthy disagreement? Anybody? Online? Type it in. Healthy disagreement. Open to discussion. Great. What else? Healthy disagreement. Just listen. What else? Agree to disagree. Agree to disagree. Yeah, I agree to disagree. Anybody else? Ah, respecting the person. That's good. Anybody else? What's unhealthy? What? <laughs> Screaming. Yes. I, I have... Dis- disrespect. I had a pastor friend who we were golfing with on Monday. He said the day before, his son-in-law and one of the other leaders in the church got into it about something, and while the service was going on, he was running down, and he said he tackled him right in the middle of the aisle. True story. Because they couldn't see eye to eye on a specific issue, and they got so into the back, and the guy went running. He goes, you know what? You're not going there, and I t- tackled him. That's probably unhealthy. Okay? <laughs> All right? So, belittling. I just jotted down some belittling, name-calling, quarreling, bickering, clashing, all of that. Here's the last one. Let let me read from uh, what Chuck Smith says, and I love this, and then we're done. It's not easy to maintain the unity of the Spirit among us on these matters. It seems that the sovereignty of God and human responsibility are like two parallel lines that do not seem to intersect with our finite minds. In difficult doctrinal matters... May we have gracious attitudes and humble hearts, desiring most of all to please who? Our Heavenly Father, who has called us to serve Him in the body of Christ. Discussion, absolutely. Disagreements, yes. Division, no. Bow your head and close your eyes today. Heavenly Father, if there's ever a day that we must know the truth, It is now in an information age, overloaded, inundated messages, social media, all that. We can miss it. And then we often bicker, fight over things that just don't matter eternally. Would you, God, grant New Hope 365 and those that will listen and are part of other churches or ministries or what? Will you grant us wisdom? to know what's right, courage to live it, and know when to listen and when to be quiet. Would you help us, your church, Jesus, to be light, like our value, lighting up the community with hope. That, Lord Jesus, that literally when our masks are on and it says hope is here, that God, that hope would constantly be working, you would be working in and through us by your spirit to share that hope with the world in in, in environments that we may be in, wherever that may be. Help us, Lord Jesus, to be unified for your kingdom is a kingdom that's unified. Help us not to be anybody that would bring dissension over non-essentials, but unity in essentials. Oh God, help us. And above all, help us to love big. Because God, that's who you are. And if your spirit indwells us, and it does, and he does, spirit of God, 
That is so huge for us, God, and we thank you. Would you pour out your spirit of love on your church right now, God? Just do it. Those online, just ask for God by his spirit to just fill you fresh and may the love of God just begin to flow through, your, through, flow through you for his glory. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing. And we pray, oh God, as we go into the future, that, that within our sphere of influence, that we would make it real hard for people to go to hell because of the hope inside of us. Thank you, Jesus. And you're awesome in mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd like to invite you to visit our website at newhope365.church. That's newhope365.church, where you can access past sermons and devotional series, get connected to one of our life groups, and keep up with the latest information about everything that is happening here at New Hope 365.